Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. And we've nearly got them all solved because we've been at it for 18 years. And we enlist the help of great people like Jenny Swigert, who missed us last week. She's out and about traveling past my house without stopping to say hi, actually. But checking in today from a bean field somewhere near Tremont, (laughs) Illinois. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Hey, now, on the way out there, we were kind of on a time crunch. On the way home, Uh we we were trying to get home to Grandma because she had decided to refuse to eat without my mother there. And it was just a trip with my mom and I, and we went out to see my cousin get married, my youngest cousin get married in our Nevada, Colorado, and it was an awesome trip, and one of the reasons it was so awesome was some of the people that we met there. I'm getting to like you. I can't go anywhere without knowing someone. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about, Jenny. It is. It is. It's really cool. And 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 I was in Arvada two weeks ago. That's right. Three now, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Landry played softball. There, there was a... And there was a softball team staying at the hotel. Actually, a few baseball team or softball teams staying at our hotel. Um, yeah. And I was trying to take a selfie of the water tower in the background. And mm-hmm. this guy thought I was taking a picture of him. And he, oh, nice. he was joking. And he, he said, now I'm in the witness protection program, so you can't post that. Oh, anymore. nice. And so we just struck up this conversation. And come to find out, Naomi Loomis, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with Naomi or not. I know Naomi from Western Nebraska. Yes, sir. Yes. So this this team, they were from Nebraska. That's where Um, Naomi's from. Yes, it's where they were playing. Um, And so we had a nice conversation. And that's exactly, you know, what you said. That's what it's all about is, you know, making... even though they I, they don't ranching, it's about making those relationships mm-hmm. and up conversations. Um, and one of the projects that I've been working on is a video cast called Live on the Porch. I feel like we have really lost that, you know, one-on-one interaction, talking to people. You know, years ago, where did people get their information? Where did people have fellowship? Where, you know, did they spend their time? It was on porches. And lost that through probably a lot of architectural changes in how housing is done. Um, But I think that the front porch, especially the front porch that wraps around is becoming a thing and I think we all need to spend some time inviting our neighbors over sitting at our porches uh, did you see my Trent on the loose from the front porch I did not mm-hmm. are you already doing <laughs> no not regularly but I did a feature and it was it, funny enough guess when it was when I was in Arvada no, it was on my way to Arvada. 
<laughs> and it was on Dr. Jack Collins' front porch in his porch swing. The entire Trent on the Loose is from his porch swing. And my premise was this is where the best conversations took place and where they need to yeah. take place again. That's yes. kind of funny. And by the way, Dr. Jack Collins is from Fort Morgan. Well, great You'll lines. Have to watch great lines I'll send you a link. Yes. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So um my only, you know, my concern or the the holdup has been the logistical side of it and making sure that um the quality is there. And that may not always be the case depending on the skin on the guest. Or, you know, if I have I'm sure most people have heard the dogs in the background at a time or two here and there. Um, but, you know, that's reality. And that's what's sitting on the porch. And solving some of the world's biggest problems have happened on porches. See, well, there's no point in me walking down this path. But, you know, in all of those years that you joined me, there yes. were some dog incidents. There were kid incidents. I, I never said a negative thing about any of that because I think the biggest thing that people miss, particularly in radio and probably TV, but I can speak to radio, is that they, they go produce something. Like if I'm at a conference and I want to put somebody on a roll route, I'll say, can we do an interview? Yep, yep, yep. We'll, we'll, we'll go get a quiet place. No, no, I don't want a quiet place. I want a place where yeah. it's not intrusive over the conversation that we're having. People need to hear it. But I, I want a place that brings the listener to where they feel like they're just sitting here with us, not some sterile room where you hear sounds bouncing off of white walls. Mm-hmm. I spent years editing podcasts so that all of that noise was out of the way. And I've learned from you that it really isn't noise. It's reality. Mm. It's life. And I think the professional world learned that through COVID. So many people were only virtually. They were connected through Zoom meetings. They probably had kids in the background if they're, you know, of that age or dogs um, or whatever. You know, maybe it's the FedEx guy or the UPS guy stopping by. That's reality. Hey, hey now, you be careful. There's more and more FedEx and UPS women every day. Oh, oh, <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> well, the FedEx woman shows up today because the FedEx man did not show up as he was supposed to yeah. yesterday. I, I have to tell you, though, when you have a, a female get out of a, a delivery vehicle in your driveway, it's almost like, oh, it's female. <laughs> I mean, it's like you expect them to be guys. I yeah, yay, yes, and no. Well, sometimes we do have a female delivery person. Um, our male lady is a male lady. But <laughs> I have some um, great male ladies who have communicated with me through the years because they listen to broadcast while they're delivering the mail. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. I was just having a little fun with you. 
Yeah. It's not a, no. a gender neutral statement. It's just that there's such a stereotype that the UPS guy is a guy. True. But it can be True. a gal too. It can. It can. I would say that UPS typically is a male versus and our USPS people. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I guess I'm calling it as I see it. I'm calling it as reality has it currently. So in the last minute of this segment, do you have enough details of live from the porch on where you, so, where you can, where people can look for it? How quick is it going to be available? What are you doing? Um, I do not have those details. It will be in two. It'll be on every Thursday. Uh, next Thursday, we are at the Heart of Illinois Fair. You joined us there last year. And so that you did. <laughs> we'll talk about it in the next segment. <laughs> you did. You didn't join the show. You had your own no. show. I watched a little bit of the tractor pull and tried to buy a Jersey heifer that went on to, you know, be <laughs> worth more than I could afford. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not not that I harbor any ill feelings towards your in-laws or anything, but not at you know, all. I kind of had that heifer bought before she won everything at the Illinois State Fair, then got sold off from underneath of me. Just saying. Well. Not that I even remember it. Roll route, Jenny Swagger. We'll take a break. We'll be back and talk about the Heart of Illinois Fair kicking off in Peoria, which I think is under all new management, maybe, from last year. We'll find out. We'll return with more after this. When I have, over the years, shared the information because people want to be critical of nitrates, people want to be critical of estrogen, I'll tell people that you, you're worried about your bacon or your ham because it's cured and it might have nitrates, but you flock to eating leafy greens because leafy greens are the highest level of nitrate possible. And you know what the first question that person always asks me? How do they get them in there? How do they get them in there, Nathan? Well, they're, they're cured, right? They're cured vegetables. And vegetables actually cure many diseases. So just like your bacon's cured, you know, I wrote a paper called uh, Nitrite, the cure for chronic disease. So just like nitrite, nitrate cure meat and prevent, you know, lipid oxidation and prevent, you know, food spoilage and bacterial infections and or bacterial overgrowth in the food, they do the same thing to us. They cure a lot of things because they improve nitric oxide, they improve oxygenation, they prevent oxidation, inflammation, and immune dysfunction. You want to live a cured life? Take a nitric oxide supplementation every day like I do. No2u.com. It's no2u.com. Put trend as your coupon code and you win big favors because you get free shipping and a 10% discount. Welcome back. Roll route. Trying to lose alongside Thursday. We the people segment with Jenny Swigert. What have you been doing? Are you, you doing all, way, all right health wise? Um, I'm getting there. Um, like I said, I was able to make it out to Colorado and back, which was a pretty big feat. Um, I, I have been able to start the new medication, which was mm-hmm. like huge because last year, you know, well, through years, there's always been a fight with it, um, with the Antivio, the old medication and the new medication. My doctor actually had been fighting for since 2019. So the trip to Mayo was to provide a second um, 
actually, there, well, I mean, I saw four different physicians while I was up there, but they all also agreed with me that Stellara would be the route to take. And so finally, the insurance company, they had multiple physicians saying this is what needs to happen. They finally um, agreed to start the process of getting coverage. And that took a couple of weeks, which actually is really fast compared to other medications. So I have had my first treatment. And then the next treatment will be in about two weeks, two and a half weeks. And I'll be on that for eight weeks. Every eight weeks, sorry. Every eight weeks. Like up to three, four months before mm-hmm. we see any, anything. So, so Jenny, we're just kind of right now. Jenny, we, we know that in the past, I'm going to put it in a frame of two years, since the introduction of the jab, whether you were jabbed or not, because of spike proteins that are passing, we've seen an increase in, um, in chronic disease as a result of what's taking place. Have you noticed or heard, because I know you are on top of Crohn's disease and what's going on with that, because of your experiences, have you seen any change that is, is noteworthy? or no, in general? No, not you. In general, just uh, the awareness and, um, and how people maybe they're they're dealing with more than they were, or it's more severe, or the data says oh, this looks bad, or it's no it's no issue at all. I have I don't know that I can answer that accurately because I have not I have tried to observe the I guess policy as I would hope and expect others to, to do so for me and asking me if I have had the jab I don't feel as anyone's business I did catch that wasn't my know, question my my question right? was that we see so, a lot of data coming out now about Mm-hmm. the overall implications of, of other diseases that maybe are secondary. Um, as causes or are you so, talking about our so, community within our Crohn's community? If not asked yes. is what I'm getting at. Um, so I can't say for sure whether People, other people who have Crohn's or an IBD have been experiencing additional problems because of the jab. That I can't answer because I have decided to not ask whether or not they have. Now, I do know and I can tell you that in the trials in the beginning, folks who had Crohn's or ulcerative colitis none of those individuals were included in any of those trials. So the doctors, a, a group of doctors who are actually on Twitter, Twitter, and they started collecting their own information from people who had already received the jab. And mm. from that, yes, there is data as far as um, if it's increased or decreased uh, the severity of the already existing disease because they received the jab, um, but more so trying to determine whether or not it's safe to continue 
And I'm not sure that, you know, for myself, I did not sure that it has really changed anything. You know, all the people in the beginning thought that those who were no suppressant would succumb to COVID if they got it. So they must get jabbed. And I don't think that that was the case. I don't think that that's what has happened as people thought in the beginning. I'm not answering your question just because I no, don't have that right data. Because it's interesting how you perceive the question. And, and I think it's very telling in today's world. Everything is about whether you're jabbed or not jabbed. That wasn't my question. My, my question is, and I think this plays across the board, we have seen people who maybe were borderline having immune system issues or not any immune system issues at all because of induced stress, because of induced change of life. They have a level of stress, whether it has nothing to do with whether they got jabbed or not. It just has everything to do with where we are in today's society that stress and changes in the environment, changes in the family, changes in the division within the family because of all of the different thought processes on how we go forward with health, Mm -hmm. we see an increase in immune challenges, which leads to people who have something they've been dealing with accelerate. And we've seen that across the board, but Crohn's is just not something that I zero in on as a separate line item, if you know what I mean. It's more Mm -hmm. about being stress-induced than it is about Mm -hmm. the jab. Now, the jab contributes to the stress, but that was my question about the last two years. And you remember that I did, um, I was in seclusion for three weeks in the very beginning. I remember. Six weeks total. And that's stressful. And it was so stressful that it was causing more harm than it was benefit. And so we went back to our prior living arrangements because I had other autoimmune issues like iritis that were happening that mm-hmm. we could not get rid of with um, prednisone steroids, which would be the treatment. I even went as far as trying um, different essential oils, wearing an eye mask, staying out of the light, trying to sleep as much as possible. But in the end, it was that stress of being away from my family, included in a bedroom away from everyone else, that was causing me more harm than when we went back to living like normal. All of those autoimmune responses actually went away. See, now, that's I can't, my question. Yeah, I can't speak for anyone else, though. I don't right. know if that is something that others experienced. Um, I'm actually yeah, perplexed, I really can't Jenny, go there. I'm at sorry. Two, two and a half years later, we still have people. I see people. Most people are just like, <clears throat> it's time to get back to do what you do. And then you run on to somebody, and I know I'm going to run on to them this weekend because, as everybody knows, I've been complaining about flying this coming weekend for a week now and i'm going to florida for the for to speak with the brahmin kids this weekend and i know in airports i'm going to see people who you can just see the fear and the stress in their eyes they're just like oh i don't know if i could be close to that person that to me is is the biggest one 
negative thing that's come about as a result of the poor leadership of this government is that it induced stress that was not necessary. Whether you got jabbed or not, that has anything to do with it. It contributes to the fear and anxiety that was caused. Exactly. And I will say, you know, I have been that the last couple of times I've been out and about. I'm seeing people wearing masks again. I'm not quite sure because I haven't, I've chose not to listen to mainstream media. I don't mm-hmm. know if there are solid reasons for that or not. But, you know, as you've said, for me to worry about COVID is more detrimental to my health than to go on with life, enjoy life, accept the reality that I may get it again. And this is coming from someone who lost a loved one to COVID, two people that I love dearly that were a part of my life. I don't take that lightly, but that's the facts. Rural Route, Jenny Swaggart. We're halfway through. We'll be back with more after this. TheWallOfHonor.org. TheWallOfHonor.org continues to bring to the forefront honor for those individuals that have sacrificed in the name of United States freedom, liberty, and concern about future generations. I would suggest you go to the website, TheWallOfHonor.org. A couple of things you can do. You can donate. You can go look at the honorees, and if you want to watch them all, I understand the reel is nearly eight hours long. That's how many people are already here. And then most importantly, you can suggest a loved one of yours be added to the wall of honor. Maybe you've got a business in your local community that wants to put up the wall of honor presentation. They can do that in any type of small business, thewallofhonor.org. Welcome back. We're all route. Trent Lewis alongside Jenny Swaggart coming to us from the Beanfield. Live from the Beanfield. Now, there is corn to my left, but yeah, I am. I'm on the Beanfield at the moment. So I've shared this story several times, but I'll share it with you because of where you're at right now. As a kid, these summer days, my worst summer days, were when I would go walk soybeans with my dad and we raised seed beans for a local seed bean supplier. And every morning when the dew was heavy, 6.30, I'd be out there walking beans, getting wet up to my elbows. And we would go pick up a group of kids. Dad would hire some days 12, you know, There'd be a, a whole crew. We'd go walk beans, mainly cutting volunteer corn out of the soybeans so I didn't get in the seed beans. Some weeds. Every other kid got paid, not Trent. Dad said, I'll pay you if you're going to start paying me for a room and board. And so <laughs> I just I just hated these days of walking these soybeans. And as I grew older, I recognized that my most fond memories were those days walking soybeans because I would have my dad on one side, my grandfather on the other side. We're walking through the fields, cutting these uh, uh, weeds and uh, volunteer corn out of soybeans. And those are some of the best discussions we ever had about what we're going to do. We're talking about what we're going to do for this fair, that fair, some baseball project, whatever the case may be. 
So it's funny how some of those childhood experiences that you hate turn out to be your most fond memories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up what I call a non-traditional farm kid. I didn't grow up on a farm, but I should grow up in the fields at Funk Farms. Corn, doing a little detailing, doing pathology. I spent days and days and days counting corn plants and counting whether they're lodged, whether they have smut. Are they flowering? Mm-hmm. Monotony. You can't explain unless you've done it. But conversations with the people that I worked with summer were some of the greatest. And I, I, I was dead. I would not stay in agriculture. I would not work in agriculture. I just hated all of that. And it's like all of two weeks as a, a that was not agriculture related to realize I was not where I was supposed to be and that agriculture was where I needed to be. I very, have very funny now. Yeah, now. Because I've been very fortunate in the past 20 years to speak in a lot of college campuses, so I've met a lot of students, and the most common sentiment I get from a student, typically female, I grew up on a farm. I knew that when I got to college, I'm going to get as far away from the farm as possible. I'm going to study finance. I'm going to study something, maybe even ag business, but I'm not going to go back to the farm. And then something happens at school. And I'll remember one example from the University of Nebraska. There was a a girl in class, and somebody was talking about the bales that were rolled up along the highway. She thought they were bumpers so that if you had a wreck, you didn't get hurt. (gasps) And my friend, who who I still see Crystal quite a bit, she's a, a wife, a mother, raising great kids. Anyway, she something happened when she said, I'm in Nebraska. I'm at the University of Nebraska. And when people don't know what a bale of hay is, we got a problem. And she became this advocate. And I remember the first time I put her on a radio, she was just taken back. That she, so it was that one experience that led her to understand agriculture is where I grew up. Agriculture is what I know. And it's what I need to be a part of. Double-edged sword, though. I was a theater major um, in high school. That was something that I excelled at. And in one way, though, I did something that I don't like today is instead of continuing to meet people of different origins, meet different um people from all over the world because Illinois State University, at least at that time, had an actor department. Um, we were learning from actors and actors. Um, but instead, I retreated back to what I knew and people who I knew rather than kind of expanding my horizons, where today... I feel that it's so important that we expand our horizons and we not be scared to meet other people who have different opinions. 
and to have those conversations and make sure that I'm teaching my own kids that it's okay to agree to disagree and still be friends or still Absolutely. be acquaintances with other people. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, gosh, I was not, oh, heck, I would never end up in Illinois. Would I ever end up anywhere near where I went where I grew up? Oh, of course not. So let's look back. Where did my children spend the first half of their education? At my own school, where I grew mm. up, my high school. And I'm really proud of that now. And I'm really glad that that's the way things have worked out. They've, they've gotten to have the education that I had similar to what I had. And at the time, I didn't, I didn't appreciate what I had. That's and I, so, I ended up coming so full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy, crazy. And, and so then so, have your kids carried on the family tradition? Like, I can't wait to get out of Tremont, Illinois. I don't think so. <laughs> because the eldest told us the other day, he's like, yeah, I'll be here for about five more years, if that's okay with you. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't, I love having our kids at home. And, um, you know, they're not really at home that much because they're off, they're off doing their own thing and I think that we're starting to kind of experience what empty nest syndrome is about a little bit but if they want to live there you know for the next five years while they get their feet planted firmly on the ground um, get their own careers in place that's totally just gives us more yeah. labor <laughs> We're no different. Landry, and this discussion is happening pretty regular now because she's coming into her senior year. So she's mm -hmm. looking at colleges. Kelly and I are talking yeah. about, oh my goodness, we're just a year away from losing our Landry. Never wanted that day to come. She's an absolute yeah. delight on a daily basis. But this is Landry's typical daily schedule now. It's like she, you're, you nailed it. It's like she's not even here. Yesterday morning. Yeah. She left the house at 545. She goes to work out weights for the volleyball team until 7, mm -hmm. from 6 to 7. And then they have open gym where they're doing something. And then at 10 o'clock, she gives swimming lessons. And she gives swimming lessons until oh, wow. 12 o'clock. At 1230, she starts as a lifeguard at the pool. She's a lifeguard at the pool until 8 o'clock. Last night, she got home at 820. We took her steer out, her Hereford steer, took him out of the barn, and then we together went and walked two pigs. At 8.50, she goes in the house, does what she does, she's in bed, and starts it over again today. That's a typical schedule for this 17-year-old that's going through life. My kids are going to be like, Mom, why do you not know our schedules like that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm home this week, so oh. I know it. Which, they by the way, have, I was well, giving they... you a hard time about last week. I wasn't even home when you shot through Nebraska. I was in. <gasps> oh, how dare you! I know. Well, actually, uh, you know, 
we, I can say this now at first, um, my, my mom didn't want the rest of our family to find this out, but it sounds like my, my sick cat out of the bag. We ended up, I do have family ties to Council Bluffs, Iowa. We ended up in between Council Bluffs and Omaha for about six extra hours on our way because someone forgot to put the pin in their hitch. On what? That. And this, sound, this sounds like a Trent deal. Oh, we were coming around the corner. We were on, on I-80. I think we had just gone over the border. In fact, I didn't even realize we were in until the state trooper had pulled up and it was an Iowa plate. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, my mom's car was uh, lower, sits lower to the ground. And, and she, as she was coming around the corner, avoiding this other person, he rolled off on the right-hand lane. She went into the left-hand lane. And then we realized that there was a reason that person was in the right-hand lane. It was because this hitch was laying in the middle of tan lane. And, and she hit it. Mm. And it has destroyed Great. her transmission. Um, the car is still there, having repair work on it. Um, when we picked it up, when the firefighters came, there was oil and there was also radiator fluid. Right now, it doesn't sound like anything to oil or radiator has been affected on her vehicle, so it could have been somebody else that hit it before she I'm right. not sure, but make sure you, you have that... the pins in your yeah. pitches. You remember, Jenny, that great big train sitting up on the hill just before you crossed that river? Yeah. That's when you left Nebraska and went into Iowa. So, okay, so we well, were not very far into Iowa at no. all. Right, right. Yeah. Roll route. More Jenny Swaggart after this. Time to talk about the certified Piedmontese beef. I hope you caught Andrew this morning on across the pond. He's in the Piedmont region of Italy, the home of the Piedmontese cattle, and he's learning everything about what I've been talking about in terms of myostatin gene. He even ate some raw ground beef. I don't recommend that, to be honest, but that's what they do in Italy. Doesn't matter what they do in Italy. The Great Plains cattlemen have an opportunity to be a part of the Lone Creek Cattle Company system. That means to be a supplier to the certified Piedmontese beef right here at home. Get more details about how you can be a supplier and what that premium might entail. I'm telling you, it's $180 over market price. Full details at LoneCreekCattleCo.com. It's certified Piedmontese all the way to the grill and back. Welcome back. Roll route. Geography 101. Trent and Jenny. <laughs> I always need help with geography, usually. Well, that river is just area. like a dead giveaway. And I was, wor- I was working on my computer, so I really oh, sure. wasn't paying attention. And um, it really shook her up. Um, and it took about 10 minutes before someone responded because there wasn't anyone to respond. It was kind of so another reminder. So what did you do then, the rent a car? Did. We ended up renting a car from um, the Omaha, um, is it Epley Airport? 
airport. Yeah. Um, we rented a, a vehicle to get home. Um, if you remember in the beginning, we actually had left early Colorado to uh, rush home because grandma was not eating. We right. had to make sure that grandma was eating some food. We did not get there as quickly as we had hoped. Sounds like you're lucky because I personally know three people in the last week that had cars, rental cars reserved, and they mm-hmm. got to mm-hmm. the rental car counter. Yeah. And they said, sorry, we have no car available. That was a task. That was a task. I could only find three with Enterprise that were in the area that were available. And I'm, I'm going to say this hesitantly because the auto dealership that she's been using has been, they would take us anywhere. Um, normally it takes them 48 to 72 hours to even look at a vehicle. And they had hers looked at within like three hours wow. and already starting to look for parts. Um, they had over 80 vehicles waiting to be paired at that time. Um, but they were, you know, right on top of everything. However, what I realized was one of the reasons we could not find cars available is because the dealership, in talking with one of the employees, had vehicles reserved for their clients, for their whether they ended up using them or not. And I believe it was, it was through Hertz. When we got to the airport, there were no cars under Avis. Um, I don't think Enterprise was actually at the airport. There was another rental company. I don't remember the name. However, Hertz had a whole parking lot full of vehicles sitting there. So my question, and I didn't want to question again, they have been absolutely fabulous, is our car dealerships, because they don't have enough vehicles to sell, are they reserving all of these rental cars, whether they're using them or not, so that their customers have vehicles? Is that part of our know. shortage that's a, issue? That's an interesting concept right there. Back in May, when I went down to Alltech, I didn't want to drive our truck. The gas mileage isn't great. And I tried to rent a vehicle. There were no vehicles in central Illinois mm-hmm. available to rent. And I've heard from other people um, in Chicago that have had to spend like a few hundred dollars a day to rent a standard size vehicle. So I don't know. Something yeah, I do. I think it's worth digging into that. What What is really going on with this? I mean, it's one thing to get somewhere and not have a vehicle if you don't have a reservation. But when you have a reservation and you get to that said destination and they say, Oh, sorry, we don't have one. That that's going to throw your, that's going to make you have a bad day. I'm just saying. Oh, absolutely. And my question is, is who got that vehicle? Mm-hmm. Our car, well, for I, some reason, our car dealerships being held, you know, higher and, being provided better service than a regular Jenny off the street? I don't yeah, know. I'll just say, if you're paying attention, the uh, lack of a car rental 
is going to be the least of your concerns in terms of availability going forward. Very true. When we, when we shut down the trains, which I'm told could happen within 30 days, people are going to find out how tough life can be. So what is happening in the train world? The, the excuse they're using is labor contracts. You know, the state of California, July 1, put in force a new law that you have to be a union member as a trucker. So there's 70,000 independent truckers that are no longer trucking. And the excuse that we're getting about the railroad industry is that it's a, a union issue. And I, I call that all just an excuse. There's something else going on. But it's the is train. It in- it's a rail industry that's not hauling deaf intentionally. They've intentionally said they're not hauling deaf. And now there's a deaf shortage. Why? What's, why is the railroad industry so obstinate? And by the way, the reason that rail car is sitting up on that hill before you cross the Missouri River in Omaha, Omaha is kind of the hub for the rail industry. Oh, I didn't realize that yep interesting well and i don't know much about the union in behind trains and conductors um but my husband is a union member and there's only certain states where he can work because not all states are union states so Mm -hmm. that makes me wonder as you said there may be there's something else going on because trains obviously are operating states, not just one state. And I would imagine going through non-union states. I guess I don't, I don't know enough about that industry. But it does seem a bit peculiar. Well, let me just say, there, there's one more common denominator that we need to talk about. Then we'll go where you want to go. Omaha is also is also the home of a guy who not only owns a majority of the trains in the United States, he has significant investments in all of the coal business. He has significant investments in the petroleum business. He has significant investments in pipelines. You name it, his fingers are in it, and he tends to give big money to Democrat Republic or Democrat candidates you know that guy's name correct we had him on the show didn't we no we did not warn about no oh oh well yeah he's the hub of the whole problem right there so anyway and i interrupted you you were gonna say oh no and and i mean his his reach extends through his family into illinois illinois also, sure. There is some. Yep. Howie. Um, Howard Buffett Farms in Illinois. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, so where I was going to go, let's hit pause on for just a moment. Would this have anything to do, or have you? I know at one time we had talked been a while ago about is buying all of this land. Who is able to afford to buy all of the land that's being being purchased for tens of thousands of dollars now. Would Warren be a candidate? I don't know that Warren Buffett is accelerating farmland purchases. I'm told by people who are selling farmland, that being auctioneers and real estate people, 
that the majority of farmland still sells to the neighbor, but it is Bill Gates who gets the most attention about acquiring farmland because of his recent purchase that became very nationally known in North Dakota, a $13.5 million purchase of the Campbell property in two counties, which has its own set of legal issues. Uh, but Bill Gates is still 51st in terms of land ownership in the ranking of the top 100. I understand Ted Turner slipped from first to second for quite some time, and now he's down to fifth. So and who's in obviously John McGlone from Colorado. Okay. And they all it's, seem it's to be in the telecommunications business. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not by the it's always the neighbor concept. Possibly. I don't know. I I just don't see how people can continue to, if it's just the neighbor, I don't know how the neighbor can afford to be paying what they're paying. If it's, you know, 15000 to $20,000 an records. acre. I know. What, what do you say? I said, I, I I don't know how the neighbor, quote-unquote neighbor, is able to know, afford. What did you put? Oh, 15 to 20,000 oh. an acre. Land in, in your country. In some places, I, I know it's higher. But, but in, in our country. Yeah, back in, I mean, even in that Pena, Taylorville, Illinois area, east of Springfield, there was mm-hmm. land bringing $15,000 an acre 10 years ago. And everybody's like, how can you afford that? And now with the unstable economy, we see it still bringing that amount. And everybody's like, how do people continue to do that? I don't understand it. I don't understand at all. And it's very difficult for individuals such as our oldest son and their generation who want to continue the family farm, who want to farm in some capacity how in the world are they ever going to be able to afford to purchase ground? They can't. Mm-hmm. One minute, Jenny. What do you want us to most know? So, um, just go and talk to people. Gosh, when we were in Arvada, I walked into a secondhand store, and owner ended up being from my hometown here in central Illinois. And the only reason we were talking about the and that it was a wedding, and I happened to notice that she had a Western accent, and that was how the conversation started. And we spent an hour talking. Well, she's related to people I know, all the way out in Arvada, Colorado, middle of Colorado. We just we need to start talking to one another, and I'm not talking about behind the screen. I'm talking about on your porches. Talking about, you know, um, in the city, we just need human interaction again. That would improve so much. No better way to end the day than having a beer sitting on your porch, visiting with somebody you need to visit with. Maybe even or you live with. Or yeah. Not, yeah. Hey. It doesn't have to be a beer. Your, your beverage There's a concept. Choice. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America. Jay Swagger, Trent Luce, both of us reminding you all roads do lead to a roll route. 
And before I completely turn you loose, reminding you that Amanda Ratke has the children's books you need, not to mention the swag and the T-shirts and tumblers that say God bless the veterans and the farmers who feed us at AmandaRatke.com.